Welcome back to Thoughts with a Woodsman Preacher. This is Pastor Josh Lucci. Uh, so just a quick uh, note about this particular podcast. So uh, we're talking about teens and dating, and um, uh, that part of it is very uh, lighthearted. I try to make the podcast kid-friendly if I can. Uh, however, the disclaimer on this is that the conversation does go to uh, intimacy and sex and eventually into uh, the, the epidemic of pornography in our uh, nation and in our culture, and how do we deal with that as parents, as pastors, um, you know, and so just a, a heads up, that's what we're, we're going to be diving into. Um, you know, Ben Celebi is a good friend of mine. I've known him for a very long time. He's been a, a pastor at points. He's been all kinds of different things, and he'll introduce himself in the podcast, but I do want to give you guys a heads up. For those of you who have uh, kids that listen to the podcast, um, you may want to go ahead and listen to it uh, to preview to make sure this is material that you feel comfortable with them hearing. Um, it is all from a, a biblical perspective and, and from a parental perspective. Um, so in, in that, it's it's very much beneficial. But um, you know, I want to give you guys a heads up on that. Use your best judgment. All right, we'll get started. Welcome back to Thoughts with the Woodsman Preacher. This is Pastor Josh Lucci. I have today with me Ben Celebi, a friend of mine that I've known for a long time. Uh, we're going to talk about some things around teen dating and purity culture and that sort of thing. We'll kind of see where it takes us. So, uh, Ben, I'll turn it over to you so you can introduce yourself and tell us about yourself. All right. Well, it's good to talk to you again, Josh. Um, I am a father of four. I've got a six-year-old all the way up to a 17-year-old. I have worked as a youth pastor for a brief time um, and did some custodial work, uh, managed a bus barn, school transportation, and now I'm the administrator of a charter school in a little town in Oregon. So um, I am coming to this conversation I'm just letting you know with more questions than answers <laughs> as it should be I think I think if we had more answers than questions we would be on a a whole different level <laughs> we'd be making some money that's for sure right yeah exactly could write a book like some people have tried <laughs> yeah a long ways from Camp Harlow right where we first met and I can remember vividly sitting in, uh, I think it was like the staff mod or the staff cabin or whatever, and uh, hearing you talk and, you know, your family was going through some stuff and then you guys, you gave us a tour of Camp Harlow and everything. So that was was a long time ago. Yeah. And actually, (laughs) as you're talking about it, I, I just realized, you know, we're talking about teen dating. I never dated as a teenager. <laughs> and maybe that's part of my problem is not only did I not have the experience growing up, but right now I feel like I am wading into waters that uh, shark infested and there is no <laughs> no clear direction. Right. It wasn't for lack of desire. For me, anyway, oh, yeah, it was like, no. oh, yeah, I would have loved to have dated at that point in my life. Sure. But you have to have somebody interested in you yeah. in order to make that happen. Yeah, it's not typically a one-way, <laughs> one-way street. Not unless you want a restraining order. Anyway, so. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah. So teen dating, right, it's relevant for both of us, I think. Um, for you, with your kids, for me as a youth pastor and mm-hmm. trying to guide parents and youth through um, the minefield that it is. Um, you know, I know as you know, you and I both grew up in somewhat of a church culture. I think different yeah. culture, micro cultures within that. But I can remember, uh, gosh, it was probably beginning of high school youth group when I kissed dating goodbye. Joshua Harris's book first came out, uh, which it didn't necessarily kick off purity culture, but it was definitely one of the big pushes. You know, I think that culture started you know about five years before he came on the scene. But um, you know, that kicked off his career. The idea of um, you know, purity being the ultimate um, sort of thing. I know there's a lot of um, talk around courting versus dating, yeah, right. and what are you know what are the key differences with that? Um, I know from our youth group, it was like a second Bible. I mean, like you carried it with your Bible, this Joshua Harris book, and they had workbooks and they had curriculum, and uh, I think it, I think it came from a really good place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this this idea of. You know, it's not how close can I get to, you know, intimacy, for lack of a better phrase, but how far away can I stay from it? Right. Um, you know, so what, what was your kind of experience with that? Yeah, well, I, I definitely had a copy of the book. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I ever read it, um, but the cover is burned into my mind with the kind of... The hat. Yeah, the Michael Jackson pose. Right, yeah. yeah. Looks like he's going to do the moonwalk. It's black and white, I think, (laughs) if I remember right. I don't know. It was very trendy at that time. (laughs) Yeah, and I, um, you know, I actually was sympathetic to the ideas myself. I thought that uh, it made sense, you know, jumping from relationship to relationship. And again, I never read the book, so if I'm misrepresenting any of the concept, (laughs) but just... Testing things out to see uh, how these relationships would work, and then you figure out, oh, this isn't a good one, so I'm just going to jump to the next one. So, I, in my own mind, I always wanted to get into a relationship, and that was going to be the thing that would carry me into marriage and and beyond. And that is what ended up happening, not because I did anything amazingly special but I guess I, I I found somebody that was willing to have me so right. they could tolerate you yeah yeah I thought you're funny <laughs> yeah, and, and less so uh, now that we've been married for 20 years but uh, you know not less so just differently so <laughs> yeah they do laugh at me no, still that's true she thinks you're funny looking not just funny sounding so, yeah uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I resonate with that too. I think that was probably the intention with which it was written, and you know, just like anything else, I think it probably got read and then reread and then taken to different places mm-hmm. that you never intended it to go. You know, I remember the big, some of the big push was, um, you know, with courting, with the old yeah. idea that, you know, because it's old, it's better, you know, like things have progressively in this world got worse. And mm-hmm. so going back to the way things used to be was kind of a key to making it better, you know, asking the, the you know, in my case, the girl's parents permission in order right. to date and going on group dates rather than, you know, solo sort of things. And um, I know that, you know, part of, the beef that people have with the purity culture now is that it really painted um, any sort of uh, like physical intimacy as something that was really bad, mm-hmm. um, something to have guilt over. There's a lot of a talk about um, you know if you lose your virginity, it's kind of something that you um, you become less than. 
Right. You know, right. Just the illustrations uh, in a lot of the youth conferences about uh, a sticker, you know, and once it's stuck onto <laughs> right? one person and you rip it off, it's a little less sticky. Yep. And every time you do it, you then, lose a piece of your heart and yeah. you're no longer complete. And then and... at some point that sticker is just trash. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. And look, I, I am all about uh, the idea of saving yourself for marriage. It isn't that that I think that that isn't a, a great thing to aspire to, to have self-control. Um, but I also do see some of the, the, the ramifications of that. And, and a lot of people that I know, once they get married and are finally able to have sex in that in that context that they were waiting for, it, it isn't the the gift that, <laughs> that they thought. It, it really yeah. does still carry a lot of shame and guilt. And um, you know, am I am I still free to to enjoy this thing right. because it's been such a dirty, wrong thing for for so long? Well, it's like waiting for Christmas for 25 years or 23 years when it finally happens it's like you've been building up in your head for 23 years that this is the ultimate this is what i'm waiting for this will solve all of my problems with lust this will solve all of my intimacy issues this is going to fill that piece of me that has been void and aching for so long um you know i think that might be the case more so with with women but with a lot of guys too that there's a piece of my heart that is shaped just like this person and getting married is going to fill that and you know as pastors and youth pastors sometimes you look at people a year into their marriage and they're like well that wasn't what i was expecting you know? right and then did i make a mistake mm-hmm. i mean there's a lot of things that are intertwined there yeah. um if if this person is the one for me but then it isn't really connecting the way that that i thought and something may be broken hey i'm just curious what kind of uh what kind of talk did you get <laughs> As a teenager, when it came to sex, oh dating, and, and all of I'm that, I'm sure my dad's going to listen to this too. Yeah, throw, I, throw, uh, throw him under the yeah, bus. Yeah. No, my my dad did a lot of things really well, um, and we had kind of the anatomy talk. You know what I would call the plumbing talk. Yeah. You know, this is what this pipe does, and this drain does, and, and that sort of thing. But um, kind of beyond that, it, we didn't really talk about it. Um, and I, I can't say that I blame him. I mean, that is an, one heck of an awkward conversation. Yeah. And unfortunately, most of what I learned were from friends, older brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. from you know movies and TV, and you kind of piece these things together. Totally accurate picture, right? Right. Yeah. And and then you have yeah this this like haste, it looked like a like a ransom note that you you would get from a really bad person saying if you ever want to see this person, it's like all taped together. And, right. But it's it still spells a message, right? And so you, you get this message, but then, you know, a big part of my uh, adolescence was church and youth group. I mean, yeah. that's where I found my people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, school, I just was not a popular kid. Um, and so I really found my people in youth group and, and that sort of thing. And so I got a lot of it through this, this period culture push that my youth pastor, um, for, for better or for worse, adopted for us. And 
Um, you know, and he would he would touch on those subjects from time to time with youth group, mostly because all of our parents were too afraid to. Mm-hmm. I, I think I wasn't alone <laughs> in, right. in that boat. Um, and then after that, like kind of before I got married for the first time, I did a lot of research just in books. Like I bought every book mm-hmm. on sex and relationships and marriage and premarital stuff and everything else that I could get my hands on because wow. I was like, I'm coming into this and I feel really blind. You know, so a lot of it was kind of solo research. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that totally makes sense. What about you? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's similar. I think my dad and I never had a talk about anything except for one time in the car. He asked me if I had ever looked up anything on the internet that I shouldn't. <laughs> I said no, and we never talked about it again. And he took you at your word, thankfully, yeah. and he's yeah. like, oh, thank God. No, it is. <laughs> My mom and I, we were, I remember we were at church. My dad was a pastor, still is a pastor, and and he was a Hispanic church, so I, I didn't really uh, get a lot out of it since I didn't know Spanish, refused to learn, I don't know. Um, but in that culture, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of um, time spent at church. And a lot of talking spent after church. So we would always be in the car waiting for my dad to finish these conversations. And at one point, my sister, my only sibling, wasn't there. So it was just me and my mom. (laughs) I don't know how it even got brought up, but I did ask, I think, about it. And she said, well, you're getting older. I think it was 16, 17. We do need to talk about it, but I just don't want to put thoughts in your head. Like, You're like, they're already there, Mom. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. So, yeah. And was then she a he, nurse at that point? She was a nurse, yeah. yeah. So, and so we revisited it again, I think about a month before <laughs> I got married, and I was like, seriously, I need to know something. Um, and that was that was not helpful either. I think she just <laughs> told me about things that I shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And, you know, from the, the medical standpoint... You know what was going to get me an effect infection? <laughs> infection yeah, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, thanks, mom. I was told a few times by different men in the church when I would ask them about it because I, yeah. you know, I had like several father figures that I had gleaned for myself, and several of them were like, you know what, um, God created man a certain way, and God created a woman a certain way, and you guys will figure it out. Yeah, like that's part of the adventure, and you know it'll, you will have fun figuring it out, and so that's kind of how I went into it, and. God, that just wasn't the the picture that ended up with wasn't the one that was painted. For yeah, it's, it's it's awesome. Like a choose your own adventure book, but it doesn't have the turn to page. You just have to kind of flip around and hopefully right. you get to a coherent story. Yeah, and you know, in a turn your you choose your own adventure book, you, the other person doesn't get hurt feelings if you choose a different adventure than they would. And that is really true. I, I thinking about even after being married, how much. I didn't realize that I was bringing to the table as far as my own expectations and how they differed from my wife's expectations. And that actually plagued us for many years, just trying to get on the same page and have those conversations. Um, Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. yeah, so, it's hard, and I can I can see where parents are coming from too, where they don't want to plant things in kids' heads that aren't there yet. But kind of the way I'm looking at it as a parent of a soon-to-be teenager, sure. you know, further off hopefully than than I realize. But uh, 
is that I want to beat everybody else to the punch. Mm. Um, I want to be the one that plants things in their head before everybody else does yeah. because that's not what happened with me. Right. Everybody else got to my head and even I got to my own curiosity before anybody else did. And so I spent so much of um, post-adolescent, early marriage kind of unraveling the the taped up message that I had in my head around um, not just sex, but intimacy and right. how emotions and feelings and everything else wrap into that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think for me too, learning from what I wish I would have had growing up, uh, tried to correct that by having those conversations really early. And like you said, it's a really awkward thing to, to talk about. So in my mind, if I could talk to them when they were little and just create categories <laughs> mm-hmm. for things that, yeah, you're not going to fill in with, with, with all the gory details. But if there was enough uh, of, those, of those categories that were created in their minds that I could build upon throughout the years, it would be less awkward when we actually had to you know, really approach the subject when it, when it mattered. Yeah. And for the most part, I would say that I still didn't go far enough. I, <laughs> I, I, I did really well compared to my parents. Yeah. Um, and to the point where, you know, I do think that my kids are free to come and talk with me and it isn't as terrible as it could be. But I still wish I would have brought it up more often and, and, and made it just a normative part of our of their of their growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like um, at least with me, the the taboo around it that was instilled with purity culture was really probably the biggest. I mean, there were several things that I had to unravel, but I think that may have been one of the bigger things that was a struggle with with myself and. Um, just it's like how do you how do you even say the words in public without blushing and yeah. you know what do you what do you call things you know just in, from an anatomical you know perspective without we, being we. there yeah exactly <laughs> right <laughs> yeah how do you what do you call this you know how do we yeah. how do we you know normalize it just a little bit so we can even have a conversation right. but um, you know I know that um, gosh unraveling some of those things it was really painted that marriage was going to be the solution for lust mm-hmm. you know and it was like if you can just make it to yeah. the wedding night then you'll be fine and it was like somehow that was going to magically sweep away that particular area of, of manhood um, I wouldn't even say my own struggle because I, I really do think that it's not just every man's struggle but I think women struggle with it in a categorically different way and sometimes in the same way but um, yeah, that was something that I was really taught, that if I could just make it, then it was going to be fine. Yeah, and that, that wasn't the case. It really hit me, too, that, that wow, I'm, all of the problems that I had before <laughs> I got married are still the problems that I have now. Yeah, and now and, it affects somebody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and what am I supposed to, to, to do with that? Yeah. And again, the answer is either there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with, with my spouse. At the time, those were my only two options. Right. And, uh, yeah, I'd utilize both of those. <laughs> Beat myself up or, or blame the Whoever's other person. Whoever's less bruised at the yeah, moment. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, you just realize that it's the expectations that were the problem. Coming yeah. into it and the world view that I had 
was not lining up with, with reality. And it wasn't my wife's fault, and it wasn't even that I'm fundamentally broken either, although on some level I am. <laughs> um, in, yeah. But, yeah. but the expectations that I had, the, uh, there was no way that anybody would have met those. Um, this marriage was never going to be that thing because that's not reality. Yeah, well, and I think it goes back to you know, like identity, you know, I, I, the longer I live, the more I realize that identity is really seems to be at the core of so much of, um, humanity's issues. You know, you have our, um, gender identity crisis that, that our culture is going through. And, you know, I heard somebody say on a podcast not too long ago that gender was never intended to be an identity. Um, we were intended, we were created to find our identity in our creator. And, some you know because folks have chosen not to do that they struggle to find their identity in things like feminism or sure. things like um, you know misogyny or you know even their jobs or their their families and you know in our particular topic in your spouse and yeah. finding your identity and really your salvation in in your spouse uh, can really set you up for a whole lot of disappointment. Yeah. And it's an unfair expectation on them. <laughs> so true. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I've got the, the teenagers, and here's the problem. When you've got kids, you want them to not go through the hardships that you went through. So you're <laughs> wanting something better for, for them. Right. And that's great. It's a great place to come from, a good desire to have. But then you end up being in danger of making mistakes on the other side of the ditch, right, where you swing too far the other way. Uh, so now that I've got the the teenagers, they're thinking about romance, relationships, and I'm thinking, man, I really still don't know what I believe about any of this stuff. Yeah. And how much of this is just leftovers from those youth group days, from, from what my parents' um, expectations were, and what of this is something that I really should be holding the line to because this is real Christian Christian values. And so we've got different options. We've got, you know, what everybody does is just the, the dating scene. You know, you go and you date and hopefully that works out into something. And right. So it's like sampling at Costco. You, uh-huh. know? you try this out and you know, ah, didn't like that. Try that. Oh, that's really good, but it would be better with cheese, you know. Right. And then the best version <laughs> of that, people will say, well, yeah, okay, maybe all of those other relationships didn't work, but you're growing as a result, right? You're right. becoming a better person. Learning and, yeah. And, yeah, you don't talk about the wake of destruction. <laughs> you know, yes, maybe it does end well of these relationships but not the ones that I've seen right yeah (laughs) um, the courting thing is 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 great but there is still a lot of pressure I mean it feels like once you're on this track this is like you're you're locked in good to go and typically starting young and you don't know a lot about yourself or (laughs) the other person I just talked to a guy the other day who um did a really honorable thing. He was writing back and forth, just letters. <laughs> and now he's divorced and bitter that she lied in every one of those oh, letters. Oh, no! And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, well, what is the right answer then? Oh. You know? Yeah. Um, what works, you know? Yeah. And, and, and is that the thing? Is it is it supposed to be what is the, the, the thing that is the most useful? Or is there truly a right way to go? So... 
to the second point, is there a right way, Josh? Is, <laughs> what is Jesus' method for dating? Right? Or, Which or, is crazy to think about since he was not married. Right. Yeah. Or, or what's the lesser evil? Yeah, or, there you go, the lesser. You know, I don't, it, it's hard. You know, and I don't even, I'm not sure where I land. I, I like talking about things where I, I really don't know where I'm, which camp I'm in yet. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've always re- really respected people who homeschool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's some definitely, you know, criticisms for it from a social standpoint and from a, you know, being a light in a dark world versus a light that's covered under a bush sort of thing. But I would rather people err on the side of caution, even in extreme cases, than go the other direction. Mm. Um, you know, the ultimate hope, right, is to find some sort of balance where right. you are guarding and protecting what's been entrusted to you, but you're also fostering independence and learning and um, you know, how do you be a light in a dark world? So, yeah, I mean, that really is the question. Is is purity culture the lesser of all the evils? Yeah. You know, where, yes, it's not perfect and it creates problems, but is it better than the other options? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so I am curious, what what is it, what path have you taken with your kids? Oh, I've been promoting celibacy. <laughs> I, lifelong, total. Right, yeah. Just, you're not you're, dating till you're 30 or I'm dead, either one. I'm whichever not a Catholic, but you're a nun, you're a priest. <laughs> Actually, don't be a priest. That's not so popular. <laughs> yeah, these days, yeah. Um, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I would love to say that I have this, this whole, um, map of what we're going to do as a family and we're following this thing. It has been a lot more reactionary when it comes to, to that. Hey dad, I like this girl. Okay. Don't date, but I want to date. Well, now <laughs> I have to, now I have to face this this problem i'm at the crossroads i can't just push it back because in the case of my son he's 17 years old and here's the thing i know that in one year he's going to be out on his own being able to do whatever he wants and this is my my window of influence is narrowing it is narrowing and so (laughs) i can either be involved now or I can stubbornly hold out, and then he's off doing whatever without my input at all. Yeah. And that is basically describing where I'm at. Fear-driven <laughs> reaction uh, right. to everything. Um, but it's been great because we've had some good conversations, and you know he's definitely pushed back, and I've pushed back to him. And where I've landed is I never have felt more like I have no control in this world than when it comes to team relationships. Right. And the, the most that I can hope for is to be a influence for good. Because the more that I push, the more they have the chance to, to rebel and to do their own thing. And there's no way that I'm going to be competing with all of the love feelings that cause people to run away with their their spouses what do you think josh am i crazy (laughs) no i i don't think so i think um i come from the camp that most of what kids learn is it it comes from watching us rather than from hearing us um you know i think parents uh, i always look to the the charlie brown teacher thing where eventually you just sound like wah 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 wah." yeah right um you know and you can still speak truth in their life especially at vulnerable moments but Mm -hmm. um, so much of what they learn is through what they see 
in, you know, by example. And a lot of that happens between, you know, like, let's say two or three years old and seven or eight years old. Wow. And those, those formative foundational sorts of things. And I noticed that none of those numbers were 17. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's already <laughs> set. Now, yeah, and, I, you know, I think I, I fall into a similar camp, too, where... And it's like if you just say like no and that's it, then um, that, that definitely sets the tone for rebellion. Um, you know, I think there's you know having that open conversation. You know, as a as an adolescent person, I think they respond more to th- that there's a chance that they're going to get what they want, or at least a version mm-hmm. of what they're pushing for. Um, whereas if they see up front that it's not going to happen, they really shut down and, and, you know, there's really no conversation around it. End of story. Yeah. And I've never really seen that as an effective way of doing it. But, um, you know, it's definitely our, our job as parents to, to guard. But I th- I, my camp is more teach the consequences mm. of actions rather than limit the actions. Mm. Um, you know, as, as far as dating and things like that, you know, if you're really upfront and you teach and you allow them to see the consequences of making a mistake with intimacy and they understand the real life consequences of it, then when it comes time for them to make those choices, that that'll certainly help. <laughs> I, I think the thought process up front. Um, you know, if you've taught them how to choose their friends, then they're more likely to choose their dates in a more healthy manner. Mm-hmm. It's not a guarantee right. by any means, but I think, you know, that is parenthood in a, in a nutshell is that there is no guarantee. That, that was one of the big reasons that I was not planning on being a dad. Um, you know, when, when Nadia and I first got married, neither one of us were 100% sure we even wanted to have kids. And it was largely because I've seen parents who are amazing parents mm-hmm. and do what I would consider just about everything right, that, you know, at least from the outside. And yet their kids still end up being um, really going in really bad directions. And yeah. I'm sitting here going, I'm, I don't think I'll ever be the kind of parent that they're able to be. So what chance do I have of my kid turning out you know, decent, making good decisions, and, right. you know, maybe it's just, with the way this world is, maybe it's better that I not bring another, you know, maybe it's better if I'm a cool uncle or, a, you know, somebody to somebody that needs one than for me to bring yet another kid into a really fallen world. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with, with me and, and my family, I, uh, with Caleb, he has these crushes, you know, it's, it's cute, I mean, it's first grade, right? You remember yeah, those days, right. where it's cute, it's innocent, and, um, you know, I've tried to foster a sense of honesty between him and I where he's really open and, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I really want to marry this person. And, you know, because his experience, fortunately, so far with marriage has been positive. And, right. You know, so he sees marriage as something to look forward to rather than to dread. And, um, you know, and so he's he's been open with me on that. And I'm hoping that that'll carry on into, you know, when he starts to be curious about intimacy and, yeah. and the other benefits of being married. Yeah, I think that's really good, and I have a young one like that, too. Uh, so far, he's wanted to keep it in the family. That's good. <laughs> marry his sister, marry his mom, right. marry grandma. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so fear, I'm realizing, is whether, I, I've always thought this way, but, I, but I'm seeing it now, is a big driving force for a lot of what I'm doing. Fear is causing me to want to maintain control, which is causing me to lock down and say, no, this is my way and we're going to do it this way, and that's not helpful. If we had some clear biblical um, examples of what was required, then I would feel a lot more confident in 
hey, it has to be this way. Yeah. The problem is we don't. And you can look at the Bible and what, what do we have as far as dating? Okay, well, we don't. So people say that's why dating is not an option. <laughs> but do right. we have any clear examples of courting? Uh, I mean, I was looking at the Song of Solomon, and if my <laughs> kids were doing that, I'd be like, well, you guys aren't even married yet. What's going or on? Or they're on something. If they're seeing goats running around somebody's neck, I mean, <laughs> it, it may be a, yeah. It, it's true. And, or, or the example of uh, Isaac, who just brought that girl home, and they just went to town, and boom, they're Here married. Here we go, yeah. Um, I, there isn't. In my mind, unless somebody knows some passage that, that that I'm missing, there isn't a clear mandate on this is the way it has to be. And a lot of times we'll look at maybe the culture around um, you know, the biblical story and say, well, this is the way that they did it back then, so that must be an inspired way to go. But I don't know that that's really a safe assumption to make, that just because Bible characters would have done it this way, that means that now, 2,000 years later, that's the way it has to be done. Yeah, just because it's old doesn't mean it's right. Right. <laughs> but, you know, the converse is true, right? We can learn from those things, and it doesn't mean that we have to just model uh, our culture as well. So, with all of that um, swirling around, what do you do? And I, th- yeah. I think, the, for me, the biggest thing is just got to be open and vulnerable with your kids about where you're at, what you know to be absolutely you know, true, and what things that you're not so sure about. And it was very freeing for me to be able to say to my son, look, you know what, I think I'm doing this because I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of this, this, and this outcome. And I just don't want that for you. I don't want you to be hurt. I don't want this girl to be hurt. And I I don't know a better way at this point. And we can talk it out, but I really feel like fear is at the root of, of what's going on. And being vulnerable that way, I think, really opens up the conversation to really getting at the, the heart of, of what we're trying to accomplish with this thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, too, you know, I've always, I, my fallback verse on the Bible, whenever yeah, I have a, okay, a question where I'm like, I don't know this, you know, this is a gray area. For me, the fallback is that all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Um, you know, and I think our, our Christianity, and especially our salvation, allows for a lot of freedom, a lot of freedom. Um, but we always have to ask ourselves, is this, is this particular freedom that I am allowed to do, is it beneficial? You know, and, and that can be unique to every situation. You know, I think yeah. if you have, like, kid A who, who is dating and, or wants to date and you have this gal that he's wanting to date and you, you're asking the question as a father and son, you know, is this going to be beneficial mm-hmm. for you and for her? Um, you know, and, and really have an honest conversation around that. That can be something that I think can bring a lot of wisdom to the situation without shutting anything down. And sometimes the answer is, yeah, I think that it would be beneficial. You know, this person is good for me. This person brings the best out of me. Um, this person causes me to examine parts of my life that I hadn't examined before. Right. Um, I'm learning from this person, learning good things from this person. Um, you know, or it could be that, you know what, um, while I may be 
biblically free and morally free to date this person, they don't bring the best out of me. And um, I struggle more with lust when I'm with this person. And, mm-hmm. you know, putting myself in a situation where I struggle more may not be a healthy sort of thing, even if I don't um, cross that line into sin. Is this a, a fostering temptation in my life where I, I really don't need it? Um, you know, and, and that can kind of help, I think that can help guide things a little bit when there's really not a clear, there may be some cultural mandate um, in the Bible as far as prearranged marriage and things like that, but there really isn't any biblical mandate that can cross time and space into to what we're doing with today. Right, I, I really do like that, and I think opening that dialogue and being the the, the one that is going to maybe ask the questions that they wouldn't ask of themselves, uh, but not from a place where, you know, um, a place of curiosity and, and that, that, that I want the best for you. I want the best for this other person. I want you to be happy. I want you to flourish. But I'm just curious, hey, what do you think about this? I mean, because oftentimes they're not actually thinking beyond today. Yeah. And what is good is what's good right now, but yeah. uh, when I wake up in the morning, is that still going to be good? But that was the kind of the principle behind setting standards, was that it's better to make these decisions before you're in the heat of the moment, rather than trying to make those decisions when you know, all the blood has drained from your brain at that moment. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it could be that that would be a conversation to have before you meet somebody where it's like, you know, this as a family, this is the standard by which we measure whether this is somebody that you should date or not. And, you know, I, that sounds very idealistic. I, I recognize that as it comes out of my mouth. But, <laughs> you know, I, I have applied that, you know, all things are beneficial, but not all things or sorry, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial to a lot of things that. Do you you know what makes it even more complicated? And I didn't even realize this until recently, that there are another set of parents with their own set of fears, (laughs) ideas of this whole thing involved, and i got to deal with that. It's not just what I want, you know, especially (laughs) if they're getting into a relationship uh, where maybe the other parents are a little more tentative about things or have different expectations and that is hard because I don't want and this is a clear biblical teaching where you honor your father and your mother and I I definitely don't want um, to give advice to my kids that would cause them to have their significant other dishonor their parents and so now I'm thinking along those lines where as before before it was just well what do I want what does my <laughs> wife want what do yeah. what do we care about so I don't know it, it's it, a tricky one <laughs> one in some respects it's like you as a parent are kind of like dating the other set of parents because they could be yeah. future in laws right you know I mean it's in a sense it's there's a lot of that too where. It's like the, the two kids have to realize that you're not just marrying the person, you're marrying your family and everything mm-hmm. else. So they got to have to cast a wider net. <laughs> it's true. So then there's the other situation where you're not dating, you're just friends. But come on. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> like I like you, you like me, and yeah, we're just friends. We're not doing anything. Um, but we... But if you were 
to go and talk with somebody else of this, the opposite sex, I would be very jealous. So at that point, what advice do you give to kids where they're almost in this play date sort of situation where they have this unspoken connection with each other, but it isn't really based off of anything at all. Nothing official. Yeah. yeah. And, and do, do you encourage it? Do you, I mean, <laughs> I need help, Josh. Come on. It's, it is interesting. And from, from a theological perspective, I mean, what oh, is marriage, right? God created marriage as an illustration between what Christ and the church, I think. Um, you know, at least the institution thereof. It was created for procreation and all right. kinds of other things as well, but that that's kind of the big illustration. So when you're dating, right, which is maybe you could call it a precursor for marriage or practice for marriage, sure. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you could call it. Um, you know, I guess you kind of have to look at it too from, from that perspective. It's like, okay, if you are flirting and you have this kind of this interest, you know, what are the theological implications yeah. of saying, well, you can have this interest, but it has to stay just friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is, is that how Christ works with the church? I, I'm not sure that that's an accurate, you know, like there's no breaks that you're putting on with the church necessarily mm-hmm. uh, between Christ and the church. And, um, you know, expecting a kid not to, to do that, I don't think is realistic. I mean, yeah. crushes happen and it's not like right. you're going out to seek these things, these sorts of things out. So. You know, I think there's a natural progression there, but being realistic where, you know, okay, you're 13 years old, mm-hmm. you know, you're, what, five years away from it even being a legal opportunity for you to get married, and probably several years after that before it's even a wise opportunity for you to be married, you know, so is this a, is spending a whole lot of time and effort, you know, mentally, emotionally, financially sometimes, is that is this a wise thing to do right now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's definitely some of that too, but... Yeah. I, th- I personally think that it's more important to foster healthy relationships than to prevent unhealthy relationships. Yeah. You know, I, I like to come at it from a positive perspective where if I'm feeding the stuff that I want to, to see happen, it's going to be a lot more productive than trying to put a block on the things that I don't want to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, it sounds really idealistic, but I think, you know, that's... That can be a parenting mode that you get into. Yeah, and for me, I, I think I don't want you to be hurt. I don't want this other person to be hurt. The more that you guys are getting closer together, the bigger the potential for hurt if it doesn't actually work out. And especially when you're getting into a dating situation, you, you, you want this person, if you ever have to part ways, ideally to be in a better position for having this relationship and that you can still continue on that friendship yeah. Yeah. there's no reason why it needs to end in, in this or terrible... like the campsite rule where you didn't create any damage for yeah. the next person to have to clean up and... yep bury the toilet paper. <laughs> yeah um, well here's a here's a quote not to push back necessarily but do it is there any way that that ideology could foster um, a difficulty with closeness in the future whether it be with somebody of opposite sex or with friends or with, you know, family or things like that, where if you're you're finding a boundary that's put here, like I, I can get only so close to the person as much as it's not going to hurt that much if something happens. Mm-hmm. Is, is there potential for like, okay, well, this is just how I need to live in order not to get hurt? Well, so <clears throat> I have a, a six-year-old, like I said, 
and he'll say, hey, that's my best friend. And I'm like, oh, well, what's your best friend's name? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. Sometimes we focus in on the, the label on, on certain things, and we, we don't actually foster the real re- relationship. So here's my thinking, and I definitely want you to tear this down. Uh, if I am working on a deep relationship with a person where we're talking and we're sharing and all of these things, and, and we're, we're getting close in that way, but maybe not necessarily physically close or whatever. Um, and that relationship is clearly at one point going to break up, and we're not going to get married. Like we're we're not going to be in this in this forever covenantal relationship. But that friendship, those things that I poured into that relationship, will remain on, or at least could. And maybe that's a different dis- discussion if you can have these close relationships with the opposite sex because I know some people say no but I I think you can invest in things that will last mm. and that's where I would see it not so much in the uh, you know fear of uh, oh if you go you're going to cause pain which I do think is true you will cause pain right. but, but for my kids they will a lot of times focus in on Investing in the physical, like when can we hold hands? When can we kiss? When can we hug? Right. Like well, you have so much to mine there as far as getting close to this person uh, in a way that could last beyond this relationship. Or if you ever got married, would set an amazing foundation for right. this yeah, foundational thing. experience. Why not? Why not focus on that? <laughs> I don't know. And I right. did. Why not? Yeah. Because I, I I was in a situation where yeah, that's great. But when are we going to hold hands right. and kiss and hug and all of all those the things, things that I really want to do? Yeah. yeah. No, I I see where you're coming from. Definitely. Um, from a practical perspective, yes. I, know, I know very Ch- few chastity belts. That's... Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, and and chaperones, <laughs> definitely chaperones. Chash- chaperones with chastity with, belts. That's what it is. All of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nowadays, it would be electronic. Like you'd hear the beep. You know. <laughs> um, no, I, I I know very few people that have ever been able to maintain a friendship past a crush or a relationship, even if it was stopped before a certain point. Um, you know, I think there's a, a dynamic that changes, and yeah. you know, I, you know, like I, I've heard stories, but they've kind of been like these these Unicorns, narratives yeah. that are out there that they're like, oh like, yeah, I, I still talk to my ex boyfriend or ex girlfriend, and we're really good friends. And I'm like, okay, but I, I've never personally known anybody that that has been, and and even healthfully that that has been the case. Yeah, um, you know, and I think trying to prevent pain. Uh, for a kid, or, or even for somebody else's kid, I think it's a noble cause. Yeah, um, you know, you're I, driven. Josh. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't want to cause pain or even encourage pain by any means. But I, 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 I try to take like with Caleb, right? I, I'll take the playground incidents, right? Yeah. Like if I see that he's about to jump off the, the the ladder on the playground, and I'm like, you know what? He's gonna totally hurt himself, um, but he's not high enough up that he's gonna kill himself. I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm actually going to go ahead and let this happen mm-hmm. um, because I want him to learn what pain feels like. And I want him to learn in a way that's not going to be like, I'm not going to allow him to, to hurt himself to the point to where he's dead or even at the hospital, but he might cry a little bit. 
Um, and it's going to be more effective than if I say, hey, Caleb, don't jump off that. You're going to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. And it, I have to resist every urge within my fatherly person to, to not say anything. But I found it to be super effective. And then when I go in the house, I don't actually have to worry that he's about to jump off of something. Right. So in my absence, I, I know that he's learned that lesson. He's experienced a little bit of a pain in the hopes that he will learn not to experience a whole lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's the same thing with like teaching kid how to swim. They're going to choke on water a little bit, but the hopes is that if they fall in the water without you there, that they're going to be able to keep their head over. Them. Right. Yeah. Okay. But what about this? So my dad, yeah, he grew up in, in Colombia, uh, and it's not even pertinent to the story, I guess. But <laughs> he was given a puppy, right? And uh, he had this puppy. His older brother wanted to play with it, and he's like, "I don't want my older brother to play with it." <laughs> And so he dug a hole and buried his puppy so that when he came back from school, he would have the puppy all to himself. He killed the puppy. Oh, God. Yeah, it's terrible, right? <laughs> that is some pain, but it also really negatively affected the puppy. The thing is, though, that he was so self-focused on his own happiness, interests, and desires, he was not thinking about this other thing right. in the relationship. and. My concern is that for my teenagers, they're so self, self-absorbed sometimes in their own world that it is difficult to think about how my actions will actually negatively affect this other person. Right, it's that prefrontal cortex that hasn't fully developed. <laughs> right, so when I say, hey, you don't want to cause pain, I think that's just being a voice that isn't maybe inherently going off in their own head that, hey, your decisions actually matter not (laughs) only to you, but also to this other person. And you might just think it's all fun and games like, oh, we're together and all this. But then when you get bored and are deciding to go a different direction, there's going to be a real life there that may be devastated that you might want to think about. And yes, I, I don't know that when we say... Um, don't cause pain that means don't do anything Mm -hmm. but I think it means think about the things that you're doing in terms of of this and what the potential ramifications could be and I'm hoping if they think about it enough that they will start to ask themselves those questions uh, going forward yeah yeah that's the ultimate hope right (laughs) it is yeah okay so one last thing what about porn, Josh? Because <laughs> I don't know. Uh, everybody's into it, and I have I have daughters that I'm trying to get hooked up with people. And it isn't just so much that people see porn, and that's the bad thing, but it fundamentally changes the way that you think about sex. I believe that yeah. the expectations that you have, and uh, you know, from what I from my research, Josh. It's pretty de- degrading, uh, especially to, yeah. to women, and it is not something that is going to be a recipe for a, um, a sexual relationship that is going to, to foster this, the, the mutual benefit of both, of both parties. Am I am I wrong there? No, it's it's a it is a, an epidemic. Okay, uh, so if everybody's into porn, <laughs> what do I do? What I do can't, you do? I, I, I got to get well, somebody that's been re- exposed to porn. But we revisit the nun idea for Katie, and exactly. you know, I go forward from there. No, uh, no, I and I appreciate that that idea. Um, I think though that uh, you know, I don't think porn is a new problem. 
Um, you know, the Bible, obviously, it doesn't speak specifically to that form of lust, but sure. it speaks a lot to lust. I think the, the modern research really shows that the parts of the brain that are really lit up and the, the endorphins that are released around that experience are very similar to drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think we, uh, especially the church, has a really hard time understanding the difference between intimacy and porn. Yeah. I think they're two very different. In fact, I think polar opposite issues, mm-hmm. um, though they're, they're definitely not mutually exclusive. I think one definitely affects the other, but you can't deal with one in the same way you would deal with right. another. Right. Um, you know, I think that, you know, from a biblical standpoint, you look at, you know, the temple prostitutes, you look at, um, you know, other things that you could potentially lust after or become addicted to is, is something that's, that can be a similar way to mm-hmm. handle it. Um, but yeah, as, as a dad of a daughter, you know, I, I don't, I can't speak from that perspective, but I can right. speak from the perspective of a guy right. that um, I think that the fundamental problem wouldn't go away if we got rid of porn. Right, but here's, here's my pushback, is there's, there's, there's porn in the, you know, anything that, that is uh, meant to entice you know, I'm looking at a picture of a naked, uh, a naked individual or two people engaging in sex, whatever. Um, what, here, I've got an example I can show you. <laughs> uh, uh, um, that's one thing, but the very specific um, way that modern pornography and that industry is, is what I'm talking about right. is engaging and dis- depicting sex is not even real at all, but is having a, a big effect on what the expectations are yeah. when it comes to sex. And, 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 and for a lot of our, our boys, it is something that they've engaged in at an early age. So it is now tied with their formative years, uh, you know, when it comes to puberty and sex and, 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 and all of that. So... Yes, there's one thing about lust and like, yes, I'm seeing women out there that I I would like to have sex with. And then there's another thing where I now have this expectation that this very warped way of of being. And look, I'm not not opposed to like different sex positions and all of this stuff, but that's not... there's, it's more than that, sure. you know. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, and again, if you if you need examples, you can email me at then <laughs> right. should be quiet right should now. Be quiet dot com. com. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I I agree. I think it, that it's it is very warped, and the expectation is um, a problem. I think it's a similar, uh, maybe to a inflated degree, but similar problem to what purity culture created, though yeah. that that being married would get rid of a lot of this mm. this difficulty if, if it's not lust it's something else maybe it's connection um, I think the um, part of the enticement with with porn is probably uh, to experience this without connection mm-hmm. so there's no fear of getting hurt yeah um, I think you know there there are more and more girls that have been drawn into that the sure. porn culture yeah, from a consumer a side because they're able to meet certain physical needs without mm-hmm. the fear of being hurt Um, You know, and I think that's probably the newest draw to it. But um, I think that the the warped part of it truly is that um, that marriage 
it will will clean a person up or will alleviate these impulses or these needs that, you know, from a man's perspective, well, once I have a wife, mm-hmm. um, you know, anytime I have an impulse, it's her job to fulfill that. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of young men, and especially a lot of young men in, the, in current Christian culture, um, really come into marriage expecting that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's. I always look back at, like, my early Christian days as a kid, and I actually used to believe until I was, like, 10 or 11 years old, um, you know, I was raised in the church and Sunday school and everything else. I believe that if I didn't confess my sins every single night mm-hmm. before I went to bed, if I died in my sleep, I'd go to hell. Wow. And it wasn't because anybody taught me anything wrong. Mm-hmm. It was just the, the, the voids in my lessons I filled in with my own head. And that was the conclusion I came mm-hmm. to. And it wasn't until somebody really spelled it out to me that it was like, oh, really? So salvation is once for all, um, past, present, and future. And it was like, whoa. And I think that it's uh, less that these kids are learning the wrong thing in church and more that they're filling in the gaps that yeah. have been silent with what they're assuming. And so, you know, when a person comes into a marriage covenant and they have these ideologies, it's not that the, the parents have done anything wrong necessarily. It's just that they've had to fill in those gaps. And, you know, I, I really think that that, um, that is the warped part of or I, I do think that there's a lot of freedom within the marriage relationship yeah. um, to a certain extent, so, sure. that, so long as it stays between a, a man and a woman. But we forget to include that there's a lot of preference. Right. You know, the, when two become one, you still are two that have become one, and you have two preferences and two desires and two libidos and two schedules and two sets of being really tired. Right. Um, you know, and we kind of forget that part when we talk about <laughs> marriage. You know, when you hear when two become one, it's like, oh, great. So my wife is now going to feel how I feel, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) You know, and maybe even for the first year, that could be the case. Um, But then life happens and hormones change and all kinds of things happen. Yeah, and I'm I'm totally with you as far as the freedom within marriage. I think the the thing that concerns me is I'm getting to my wedding night. I've got all of these these porn... um, images in my mind yeah and my wife her role in this according to all of those videos is she's just i'm doing my thing and she's enjoying it and that is going to create again back to my creating some uh, situation where you're going to hurt the other person that can really hurt that relationship right out of the gate yeah you know I mean, assuming obviously there's a lot of background, and maybe people have already been engaged in sex, and then and 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 have not going to have that issue. I'm just speaking to my own experience that that you know the, those those times early in marriage are can be pivotal in building the foundation going forward. So. Um, with my kids, it's Sex Talk Tuesday, and <laughs> what, what am I needing to... Wait, are you serious about that? you have Sex Talks every Tuesday? Not every Tuesday, but we do have <laughs> Sex Talk... It's either tacos or sex. We, we, it just depends on what we feel. Well, what's wrong with tacos and sex? I think the best of both worlds could be... <laughs> hey, paid. save it for marriage, Josh. <laughs> well, that's, that's what we're looking forward to. Okay, yes. okay I get it. I see where you're coming from. We merged from the two. Heaven and earth have come together. <laughs> The new millennium has begun. <laughs> yes, I, no, I see where you're getting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, what 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 do I need to be focusing in on on these conversations? Um, what what is the what is the focus when it comes to sex relationships? 
Uh, broadly speaking, do you think that that will help prepare uh, prepare our kids for a healthy and good marriage? Yeah. Um, I am definitely speaking as a youth pastor and as somebody who's just idealistic because my kid is seven years old. Um, so oh, the end of porn. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I mean, statistics show eight, eight is the introductory age. Oh, he's still got a year. Okay. Yeah, so we, we got a year. But um, now, I, from an idealistic standpoint, I I really am championing, championing the idea of being the first voice in your kid's yeah, head. I agree. And I think the first voice is the voice that they're going to hear for a really yeah. long time. And so when parents have these concerns about, you know, I don't want to talk to them too early. Right. Um, I I th- I think that it's um, I think that there is some wisdom there. I I think it's coming from a good place. Like you don't want to introduce something that doesn't need to be introduced. But um, chances are, that, especially if you have a kid in a public school, it's already happened. It's yeah. they've already been exposed to at least the words, yeah. if not the conversation, if not the images. I mean, there's two ways before. to look at it. If your little kid comes up to you and says, "What is anal sex?" <laughs> You can say, "Whoa, we need to shut this whole thing right. down." And who told you? Who told you that? They're like, I don't know. Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. you can say, "Wow, they I, they came to me to get this thing, and if I can give them an answer that's age appropriate and all of yeah. that, that will foster uh, this relationship and make it more likely that they'll come to me again with their next question, concern, advice." And building that up, and I, I, I agree with you that that now when you're saying be the first, you're going to beat them to the punch when it comes to <laughs> every topic. I think I mean that's the hope. However, yeah. um, not not all things can. Uh, yeah, some things sure. you have to react to, and that's mm-hmm. part of being parent. But saying, well, we're not going to talk about that yet. I don't think that's. I don't believe that that's an option anymore. Sure, you know, yes. it's already been introduced. It's, it's a phrase everywhere. in their head, and you have to deal with it. And the hope is that. Now you're the first positive voice in their head about it. I, I was a bus driver, and there was kindergartners <laughs> yeah. watching porn on the bus. It's insane. Yeah. And you know, they, if they're doing it, they're talking about it, and yeah. you can't not deal with it. Yeah. Well, and I, I go back to like the, the church is really good at demonizing specific sins. Yeah. That one sin is so much worse sure. than the other. And you know, if your kid uh, came home and, and said the f bomb. And you would deal with it, and you would probably be like, okay, this is what right. this is. This is how it hurts people. And, yeah, it would be shocking, and you have to deal with it. But if your kid comes home and asks a sex question, it's, oh, my gosh, you know, this is so, you know, this is crazy. I don't know how to deal with this. And I think that um, we really need to see the similarities. There are differences, but we need to really focus on the similarities between the two issues. But, man, that's, it's like, like the, the whole, uh, was it the Steve Martin joke where he's like, you know, how to become a billionaire first, you get a million dollars. And, you know, <laughs> so, okay, all we have to do is just talk to our kids about sex. I'd rather give the million dollars. Right. In fact, uh, we had a group of parents that, that rallied around and, and all pitched in money to pay a hired gun, a youth pastor, to have the talk with their kids so that they wouldn't have to do it. Are you serious? Yes. Nobody wants to talk wow. about that. No. Oh my gosh, where was I when this was happening? I know you could have cashed in <laughs> some money. Uh, and it was so funny because the youth pastor came in and talked about everything but sex. Except for... Yeah. So even, even he was like, nope. Oh, 
<laughs> Thanks for the yeah. cash. Well, and, and there is some implied implications from the purity culture as well. You now have adults that are yeah, struggling, you exactly. know, that have been raised in, in all of this that have a hard time bringing up the topic. It's just really, the taboo around it's really sad. So going with the theme of being honest and vulnerable and say, hey, this is difficult for me. I'm uncomfortable because of maybe even my own past and opening up and I just think it's not yes you want to to give them accurate and good information but I think if you come at it with I know everything and I've got it all together that that's nobody wants to come to that person and ask them a question no definitely yeah, and I mean, it's it's hard because as parents, our job is to use our own experiences to better our kids, and and this is being vulnerable in that is that can be really tricky to navigate, mm-hmm. um, you know, because you, you those are parts of your life that are private and between you and yeah, your wife, but right. you know, how much do you want your kids to learn from your mistakes? And, sure. Yeah, I think the answer is that there's not a good answer. <laughs> Get some rabbits. They'll learn a lot. Right? Move to Alaska, uh, where everybody wears lots of layers of clothing. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that there's the answer. Right so there. have the talk with them. Yes. Bring it up. Start early and keep coming back to it when it's appropriate. Yeah, like voting. Vote early and vote often. Yes, so start earlier and is. do it often. And I think yeah. making it a, a conversation yeah. could be really important. I like the idea of the Taco Tuesday sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, sex like, talk Tuesday. Yeah, they, they know it's coming. It's it's no longer a taboo sort of thing. There's a lot of openness around it, and therefore it's, it's not a dark secret that they feel they need to keep from you. Or just finding as many opportunities so i mean we're we're christians josh we're used to this like you know you just insert jesus into it if you can if you can see a little crack in there somebody's then you you can steer it towards christ steer it towards the sex talk if 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 it is connected at all because then you can make it a normal conversation that's okay to have it's not weird It, it doesn't it doesn't need even a special day, which I still about sex talk Tuesday. I like but, it. I like but, it. But hey, we're we're going to get ice cream, and and something comes up, and we can we can just jump into that conversation. Yeah. It's just like talking about Pokemon, Pokemon <laughs> and masturbation. It's all this. We can talk about whatever. Yeah. Well, and I, I think a lot of parents look at it as like the the plumbing talk, where it's yeah. an anatomy talk, and right. I, I think it's. It's so much more than that. It's like, how do you navigate the emotions? How do you navigate the, sure. you know, the implications of that? And what happens when it's bad? You know, I mean, when you get married, it's not always a good experience. There, there's a lot of, like, learning curve that, that's there. And how do, you, how do you deal with your marriage the day after that, you know, somebody's got their feelings hurt? And, you know, it didn't work out how you'd planned. And how do you navigate those emotions and... Those are the things that I wish I had been taught before. You know? And you've got to be honest with you. That's what's hard as a parent, right? You want them to see you as you have it all together. <laughs> yeah. But being willing to even admit, yeah, I'm, I struggle. Yep. And, and I don't have this all figured out. And I'm definitely farther down the journey than you, Timmy. But um, I, I still am... It's still a journey. Still, yeah. yeah, still working it out. Okay, what else we got? <laughs> we can solve all the rest of life's problems. Right? 
Yeah, I, yeah. It really. I think the conclusion is that it's it's a tailored conversation. Yeah. It's it's something that it depends on the the kid that you have mm-hmm. and where they're at and what questions they're asking. But sure. you know, starting at the six or seven with the conversations, I think, is probably important. If you're past that as a parent, then start and get over the. Are you just trying to get out of a purity <laughs> ring? Is that what it is? Oh my gosh, purity rings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, all the implications of that too with being a divorced person. Right. You know, it's like for a while, I really thought that I was now, um, I will always be unwhole. I will uh, always have a piece of me that is gone and I will be less than a whole when I married, you know, when I married my Nadia, my next wife, yeah. and that, that I wasn't going to be as good or as whole as I was before. And, right. you know, it's just not the case. It just, there's no theological background to that. There's no practical background to that. And it, it only causes more baggage to be carried forward. Right. You know? Did it give? Purity rings to boys. It was it only a girl thing. Like yeah, they, was, they could just lose it, and it's like a shark tooth necklace for boys. They think it was you know, something way cool, or maybe a knife, a pocket purity pocket knife is Wait. what. It, yeah. <laughs> I think that was circumcision. You're about. I don't know. That's something else. I'm gonna, you know, yeah, that'll be the next podcast on, on, on uh, home circumcision practice. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Anyway, well, we'll we'll wrap it up because we're just over the oh, hour mark. Okay. Well, let me just say, if anybody wants me to have the talk, my fee is five hundred dollars and i will come and talk to your kids about sex actually that's how you get arrested never mind you can keep your money (laughs) oh man yeah again here's his email address if you want to complain and yeah if it's a long distance call from australia you can use email instead so anyway thank you josh this has been really fun i appreciate it we'll do it again So thanks, Ben Zalebi, for joining us for this interview. Um, I know I got a lot out of it. It was a lot of fun to uh, to see a peek into his life and his family's life and, and how they're choosing to deal with things. Uh, a couple of takeaways, uh, you know, as I was reflecting on it, you know, I think uh, being the first voice in your kid's head, um, you know, as they as they grow up, the voices are going to be battling for position, and you being beating them to the punch is going to be really important and if you aren't the first voice in their head be the first positive voice in their head uh you know when you're addressing these things so you know another one to to really consider is all heartbreak break really bad is heartbreak something that's worth protecting your kids from um you know is it, it's going to happen eventually um you know my theory is that uh heartbreak happens and i want to be there uh you know for my son when it happens and so that can definitely determine some of the the ideas around when to let your your teenager date you know the time frames there um you know are they going to start dating after they leave your house and then being experiencing the the heartbreak on their own but that anyway um if you're still with us thanks for joining us and uh the next podcast will be coming up pretty soon god bless what you're showing it's my roots that you're growing because life is more than this moment you are the light so when the darkness falls the greatest heights they never seem so tall no not at all you're right